There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. Welcome to Wired to Hunt's Rut Fresh Radio, bringing you the latest reports from the Whitetail Woods. And now, your host, Spencer Newharth. This is episode 484 of Wired to Hunt's Rut Fresh Radio, powered by First Light. And this week, we're talking about avoiding the orange armies. Welcome to Wired Hunts Rut Fresh Radio. This is episode 484, and uh, I'm not joined by Mark Kenyon today because he's out on assignment, doesn't have any cell service. I, I can't get a text or a phone call through to him, so I'm joined uh, by Tony Peterson instead. And Tony, today I want to talk to you about bow hunting during gun seasons, mid-November, probably represents a time um, when there are maximum amount of gun seasons for whitetails open across the country. So it's relevant now more than ever. And uh, the reason I'm asking you this question, Tony, is because when is the last time you killed a whitetail with a gun? Oh, man. Uh, I guess probably about three years ago, three or four years ago. I used to, I used to muzzleloader hunt really hard. And I've kind of gotten out of it we just by losing a few spots to hunt and just having different priorities, but it's been a few years anyway. Yeah. So you are a whitetail, uh, killing son of a gun with a bow instead. That's why I want to hear your input on this. So when the orange armies are in the woods in the Midwest and you are still looking for your own whitetail with a bow, what are some themes Tony? Like, how are you finding deer this time of year, say gun seasons have been open for a week by now, um, and you're entering the woods to try to kill one with archery equipment. How are you finding deer? And uh, like, what are some differences you're noticing than in areas that don't have gun seasons open right now? You know, I really, I think we kind of look at uh, where the deer go during gun seasons as we think of it too big. Sometimes we think like, Oh, they, they move on to some property that doesn't allow hunting or some kind of sanctuary. But you, you know, I see this a lot where I'm pheasant hunting or I'm scouting this time of year. And I jump deer in places on, especially on public land a lot where they're just in really tight cover and they don't want to move. 
And so I think we always think that they're just gone, but really you got to think of it from the perspective of, you know, how many deer could you hide in you know, half an acre of cattails? You might think like there's going to be zero deer in there, but when you go walk through them this time of year, those deer know every one of those spots that are kind of unapproachable for us. Like they're, they're going to know we're there. And I see this over and over and over this time of year where I always like in my head, I'm like, oh, they're, they're, they're someplace big and far. And what they are is underfoot in, you know, a nice little island in the swamp, or they're somewhere where just, we're just not looking. And it's usually a really tiny patch of cover that hides them really well. So say it's November 24th and you're entering a new area and you have like one day to scout before you're going to be hunting for a week. What are some things you're looking for? Are you just specifically looking for tight covering that you're then not entering? Or are you looking for rubs and scrapes? Are you trying to just find places where there aren't other people? Like what are you looking for in late November for in-season scouting? I'm looking for where, yeah, you know, I'm not looking for rubs and scrapes. I'm not looking for anything that feels like an easy place to hunt. Like that nice woods that's open and would be a great place to call in turkeys. That place sucks for deer right now. I'm looking at it like, where are the overgrown homesteads? Where are the thickest, thickest parts of whatever property I'm hunting? And I'm going to go in and look. And, you know, if you have snow, it's really easy this time of year to see if there's current deer usage, but a lot of places don't. And so to me, it's just a matter of, you know, what are the tracks on the ground? What, what, what's the concentration of deer usage look like? And it's not going to be, you know, they might be places where there's rubs and stuff from earlier in the season, but it's going to be tracks. It's going to be trails and it's going to be the deer I jump that I almost step on. Those are really valuable to me because they're kind of a, you know, they're a confidence booster, but also they show you there was a deer riding this thing out right here. That, that's real important information. All right. Well, on the flip side of the coin, say you are a gun hunter. Um, I, I know you recently had an episode of Foundations that was about how gun hunters should think like bow hunters. Give us a quick synopsis of what that means. If you're a gun hunter, what can you learn from someone with archery equipment? You guys forget about the, the big, beautiful views and you got to get in tight. You know, I mean, it's, we, we just, and bow hunters do this too, but gun hunters are, are fantastic at trying to find places where they can reach out and touch a deer. You know, and you think you're going to increase your odds of, you know, if you can see 300 yards in every direction or you sit on that power line and you can shoot both ways for 300 yards, like this is, this is the spot. These are, you know, this is my highest odds, but these deer, they know where to go when the pressure kicks in and to get them to make a big mistake, like moving across a wide open clear cut you know, four or five, six days into the gun season, they're probably not going to do it. You got to get into some tighter stuff, dial that scope down to three power and hunt in security cover. And it's, it's a hard thing to do, but with a little in-season scouting and the willingness to sit in tight stuff, it, it usually works or it can work. Yeah, all themes you're going to hear from our interviews this week. And we talked to hunters from West Virginia, Montana, Georgia, and Missouri. And like every week, we have reading materials for you in the in the description of the episode. If you just scroll down wherever you're listening to this at, you're going to see these articles linked right now that are relevant for being in the woods right now. Right now, uh, we have articles like "How to Kill a Big Buck at the End of the Rut" by Tony Peterson, 
Tony talks about how volume hunting and seeking hot does can help you kill a mature whitetail right now. We have 10 natural food sources every deer hunter should know by Mark Kenyon. Mark goes over food sources that can be found across the country and are especially relevant as we get into post-rut. Then we have a caliber battle, 308 Winchester versus 270 Winchester by Jordan Sillers. Jordan breaks down two of the most popular deer cartridges and declares a winner for which is better for whitetail hunters. And then we have How to Kill a Buck in Late November by Mark Kenyon. Mark discusses some themes for hunting when the rut is coming to an end and gun seasons are in full swing. So what is next for you, Tony? What is the next hunt that you have going? I'm going to be trying to kill one more deer with a bow. And in between that, and that'll be an antler this year. I don't have any buck eggs left. And then in between that, I'm going to be chasing a whole bunch of public land roosters with my dogs. (laughs) All right, man. I, got going on. I like it. Thank you for joining me, Tony. Good luck with uh, that antlerless hunt and, and killing some roosters. Awesome. Thanks, buddy. All right. And joining us on the line next is Bo Martonic from East Meets West Hunt. And also, you can find his articles on the Wired Hunt website, who's just hunting in West Virginia. Now, Bo, in West Virginia, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of one to 10? I think in the last three or four days, it's been about a nine. Uh, buck activity has definitely increased with uh, some cold weather that had moved in. It went from being pretty pretty slow to uh, a, a lot of movement in the in the last three or four days. And what phase of the rut would you say Southern West Virginia is in right now? Uh, the I'd say the chasing and and then even some lockdown. Uh, we saw both of that pretty hard throughout the the week there. Um, where I was hunting was some reclaimed coal mines. So you could see always, and you could see when bucks would be locked down with those. So there was a mixture of that. And then also just um, wherever the hot doe was, you'd see four or five bucks just right on her tail. So it was in, in that phase of the rut, I would say. I know you had some close encounters with some bucks over the last week. When those happened, why were you in that area and why did those bucks want to be there? So most of the areas that we were focusing on were these big valley fields that were within uh, the valleys of the of the, the reclaimed coal mine. So at the top, out of the timber, where there's where they reclaim those mines, they they put a mixture of some different clovers and and um, grasses and things that the deer like to feed on. So it seemed like the does like to hang out there, and and also the bucks will bed on some of those benches. So we were able to to glass into them, and that seemed to be where we were focusing on and where most of the movement was. What were you seeing for sign making over the last week? Uh, scrapes were were still pretty hot. A um, lot of lot of fresh scrapes. It, it was more of the um, more of like the scrape lines that you would see versus them coming in and and pounding one specific scrape, but more as they were moving and and cruising and hitting some of the scrapes there. So that was what I was seeing the most, um, from that, not, not so much as, as fresh rubs as scrapes. Were you seeing any midday movement at all? Yeah, there was actually some more midday movement than anything else on, especially on the cold days and the, and the rainy days that, that we had hunted, um, that, that mid middle of the day was, was absolute fire. If you're doing some in season scouting in a forested area in the East, what are some things that you're looking for in late November? So the, the big thing is trying to figure out where where the does might be feeding at this this point 
and also the boxes are starting to recover. Um, you know, in southern West Virginia, where I was, it's more the peak route. But as you go through most of the, the Appalachian Range, east and north, it's starting to get more into that post rut here now. And, and they're trying to replenish their body. So finding any of the fresh clear cuts or if you find an area that still have acorns on the ground that they're feeding on, they're really starting to hit that as well as grasses that you'll find in some gas lines, pipelines, power lines, things like that, as they're really trying to build up their, their body again. Do you notice any big changes hunting post-rut in a state like Pennsylvania or West Virginia than you do in more traditional Midwestern states when it comes to deer movement and buck activity? Yeah, it seems to be slower. Um, but what I, what I do notice is in that period, you do you do have the opportunity at seeing some of the, the bigger, more mature bucks during that time. It's just you, you, you typically see few and far uh, in between deer. There's just there's not as many um, moving at that period as you see in more of the pre and, and peak rut phases of that time. So it's it's slower, but it can really pay off if you find the right right food source where they're hanging out. If you were running trail cameras right now in big timber in the east, where would you want those to be located at? I'd want to run them on scrapes on the edge of a, a newer clear cut. Uh, um, or on, on the edge of um, on the edge of some thick cover that's going out on uh, a point of oaks that have acorns that are dropping. So some of the similar stuff that you would see during the pre-rut as far as camera placement, but focused more around the food than I would around uh, some of the bedding cover. Going forward, then in this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of one to ten in West Virginia? I would say the buck activity is still would, would still be about an eight, maybe even a nine. Still, it just really seemed like it was heating up, and especially with the, the mature bucks moving uh, in the last few days that I was there. So I would expect that to continue through this week, as as the temperatures are still still pretty cold for this time of year. All right, Bo. Good luck with the rest of your season. Thanks for joining me. Thanks, Spencer. All right, and joining us on the line next is Keith Thompson from Montana Whitetails in Montana. Now, Keith, in Montana, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? Uh, it's no better than a 5. It's been very hit or miss, I guess, if you want to call it the trickle effect. Uh, we've been seeing some younger bucks up on their feet moving around early mornings, uh, middle to late afternoon, but not much going on in the middle of the day. And a lot of the bigger deer we just aren't seeing right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been warmer than usual. I mean, it's I'm not one to make excuses. Our job's to make, you know, make it happen, but it's been awfully windy and, and, and rather warm, especially for this time of the year out here. So it's hasn't, hasn't benefited us. That's for sure. So what phase of the route would you say whitetails in Montana are in right now? Well, the, the, the I guess you could say seeking. I don't know. It's like I said, the younger bucks seem interested and they're cruising around, but the the bigger bucks are just not seeing and I, I really don't think they're locked down i just we haven't really seen any chasing or anything like that i just i, I don't think they're locked down it's just it's been it's been pretty goofy historically what do you normally see for sign making in montana in late november uh our scrapes along the field edges are usually torn to pieces right now and you can generally sit back and glass a scrape in the morning and every deer that leaves the field is usually stopping to check it. And there again, it's just, there's not, there hasn't been much activity as far as that goes. There's, there's two scrapes that are there every year and they're on the edge of the field. I mean, I sit there and watch them 
all the time. And we've had four or five bucks hit it this morning. There again, you know, the oldest deer was probably two and a half years old and the bigger bucks were already out of the field by the time it was light. So I, I, I couldn't even see them. I know they're there, but it, every once in a while we'll catch a glimpse of one, but it's just, it, they haven't been very active. This time of year, what food sources are relevant in a state like Montana? Uh, we're hunting the alfalfa fields, definitely. Like you said, that's 100% the main food source. There's not much left for them to eat other than the alfalfa field. So it it helps to, you know, kind of isolate the deer to hunt them, but it just, it hasn't been uh, very good lately. Besides on scrapes, where do you want to be running your trail cameras in late November? Um, there again, we don't, we don't run that many, uh, simply for the fact that we can pretty much keep visual on our deer from, you know, different vantage points, glassing atmospheres. We, we run three or four, but most of them are on scrapes just cause they're, they're so productive as far as getting different bucks, stopping and hitting them. But 90% of what we do is actually, you know, visual glassing. As we come into the last weekend of the season, say you had a client um, who is hunting with a rifle. What does a textbook setup look like for you guys for that gun hunter? Uh, in this situation, I'm just I'm trying to get somewhere where I can see as far as I can. Um, we'll have a we'll get up high where maybe we can look down into the riverbed or cover a lot of ground, especially with the gun. I mean, we, I want to. I want to maximize the weapon. So if we can get up high and maybe glass a buck that has a doe run off somewhere, if we could watch him bed down somewhere or we could make a stalk on him, that's, that's my main deal. I mean, we do a lot of tree stand hunting cause we have the river bottom and, and it's successful that way. But I personally, I like to be able to, if I can make a move and cover ground, that's what I want to do. Going forward then in this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of one to 10 in Montana? Well, hopefully a seven or eight just to close the year out. I saw there's a little bit of a weather front coming through. Um, I'm hoping that gets things popping here a little bit. We have, we have four hunters left in camp. So we're trying to, we, we shot one yesterday, a bow hunter shot one yesterday. So that was good. Um, but we have four, four deer tags left. We'd like to, you know, go out on top here to close the year. All right, Keith, good luck to you and your clients in camp. Thanks for joining me. Thank you. All right, and joining us on the line next is Spencer Konoszewski from Redline Hunting in Georgia. Now, Spencer, in Georgia, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? Man, yeah, you know, looking really, really being in the woods last couple of weeks, I would say these this past couple of days, I would, I'd rate it about like a 6 or 7. Um, we've, we've seen a bunch of small bucks chasing does. Um, during the day, you know, um, but nothing, none of our big time, um, shooter bucks that we got on camera. have really, have really shown up really chasing these does yet. Um, and actually we just talked to one of my buddies. He actually, um, he was hunting and he had one doe come in and he, uh, that doe brought in about three to four different small bucks. Um, that doe ended up leaving the buck, uh, took off after that doe and another doe came in and didn't bring one single buck in. So, it kind of tells me that some does in this area where we're at, you know, northeast Georgia, is some some does are hot and some are some are not. So I would think it's kind of starting to really really gear up towards that peak rut. But yeah, as as overall out of ten, I would say probably six or seven out of ten for the past couple of days. So what phase of the rut would you say northeast Georgia is in right now? I, I would say I would say that pre rut really transitioning into peak rut right now. I think these 
like coming coming forward. Um, I think the next couple of days are going to be awesome to be in the woods for. And then another story, actually, uh, another firefighter that we work with, um, he actually called me yesterday about a doe that was caught in a fence. So they got called out to this call. Fire trucks show up. They got this doe that's stuck in the fence. And they look up, and they had a monster eight-point buck just staring at staring at this doe about 50 yards. It's actually pretty close to a little subdivision with some woods behind it. So uh, the guys were trying to get this doe down, and this buck would not leave. He, he just watched the entire time. They ended up cutting the doe down, and as soon as that doe hit the ground and got on her feet and took off, that buck instantly started chasing her down. So um, if that's any kind of determining factor of, of what kind of stage we're in, I, I think that pretty much means that it's it's almost at that pre- peak time of rut. I know you're running a lot of trail cameras there. Where do you want to be running your cams in late November in Georgia? You know, to start with, um, right now we're really focused on, you know, scrapes and rubs. Um, that's where we got a lot of our cell cams and we really focus a lot of cell cameras on the bedding areas, you know, coming into, coming into the rut. If we can find ourselves kind of hunting in a spot where we can get them transitioned here back and forth from, from feeding to bedding, that's where we really run our cell cameras. Um, and we try not to get in there as much, uh, only if we're going to hunt it because we don't want to spook out a lot of these does that could eventually be bringing these, bring these bucks into that area. But um, for the most part, yeah, we're gonna put we're gonna put cameras on scrapes, beddings, and uh, buck rubs. What food sources are relevant right now in that part of the country? Um, so it's been real hot and heavy on the acorns lately. Um, you know, I talked to a lot of guys that do run feeders and stuff, and for the past couple of weeks, nothing is coming to the feeders. They want no interest in that, or you know, a couple of people got some natural food plots as well, and they'll get a couple of does and stuff coming up there out there, but mostly in the middle of the night. Um, but, uh, we had a good supply of acorns dropped this year. Um, but I do anticipate the next couple of weeks, those are going to start, uh, diminishing a little bit. And I think they'll eventually start working towards more food plots and more feeders. If you have them out there. If you're forced to do some in season scouting in late November in Georgia, what are some things that you're looking for? Man, I'm, I'm, I'm going to really try to find, um, find good pinch points and good funnel points for, for these deer to be cruising. in. if you have, if you have the ability where you have enough land where you can get yourself in a, in a good in-between spot that those transition spots, I think that's going to be the best, the best spot to, to try to do some scouting early, find, find where you want to sit and where you want to, where you want to hunt at and, and set up there. Um, that, and I think, you know, in the afternoons, especially these does are going to be out, they're going to be starting to feed a little bit more and more here coming into late November. And I think if you can get on a food plot, that'd be also a good option for yourself as well. Going forward then in this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of one to 10 in Georgia? Man, I, I think these next couple of weeks and especially these next couple of days, it's going to be a 10 out of 10. Um, I'm real optimistic about that. Like I said, it's, it's, it's a weird state, you know, Georgia is, you know, we got so many, it seems like we have so many different ruts in different counties. You know, you could talk to one person next to you and they, it seems like they have no butt uh, rut activity. And then the next person you talk to, they're in full blown rut. Um, I think part of the reason for that is we've got introduced to so many different deer from different states because uh, they did populate the deer to try to get them back here. But I think overall this next week coming forward, it's going to be a 10 out of 10. It's going to be a, it's going to be a good time to be in the woods. And if you can get the time off, I, w- I would try to do it. All right, Spencer, good luck to you and everyone else from Redline Hunting. Thanks for joining me. Awesome. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks, Spencer.
All right, and joining us on the line last is Nate Thomas from Missouri Woods and Water Podcast in Missouri. Now, Nate, in Missouri, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? Uh, lately, I would say it's probably somewhere around a 5. Um, I think uh, a lot of bucks have got those locked down right now. I think there's also some bucks that are searching for that that second or third or maybe even fourth right now. They're um, looking again, but seems to have uh, tailed off, especially with this being toward the tail end of our rifle season. Um, seems like it's kind of dying a little bit, at least in our area. So what phase of the drought would you say that Missouri's in right now? If I had to like say a phase, I would probably say like in the lockdown, you know, second searching for the the second time, kind of in that area right now there. Um, I'm seeing a lot less activity on like trail cams with bucks um, and a lot less activity during the day. Now I haven't hunted in the past seven days now uh, because I did tag out last week, but um, I've just through talking with certain friends and different people in our area. um, I think they're kind of ghosting a little bit and kind of locking down with some of those does. Now you guys are about two weeks into Missouri's gun season. What do you notice for a shift in deer movement at the end of the gun season and and going into the archery season again? Yeah, for this um, gun season, the last two years for for sure has hit right at the peak of the rut, what I would call like the top of that bell curve um, that you hear everybody talk about. And I don't think this year was any different. Um, Those first few days, let's say five days into gun season were just um, all kinds of craziness. Um, And then I think, you know, the orange army, um, I'm not saying anything bad, bad about them. Um, There's so much pressure and craziness that happens those first few days. Um, I think you see a decrease in, in movement, not only because the rut's moving on, but also these deer are just getting harassed by hunters in the woods. And I think a lot of them not only are are trying to rut, they're also trying to run for their lives. So it's kind of unique in my opinion in our our state because there's all kinds of things going on all at once uh, during that time. What are you seeing for sign making right now? Not a whole lot. I, you know, on my particular property, I saw some scrapes that looked like one of those scrapes that a buck started making, but then got bored with it a few seconds into it. Um, you know, I see more just straight up searching more than anything, just cruising, going through bedding areas, getting out of there onto the next one. Um, not a whole lot of sign making. You said that you've been observing your trail cameras for the last couple of weeks. Where do you want to be running your trail cameras in late November in Missouri? Uh, late November. So after deer season or after a rifle season is over, um, I would go back to that kind of that early season, like transition areas. Um, in my opinion, once the rut's kind of tailing off, sure. You'll have some of those doe groups that are coming in late and we're still going to have some activity, I'm sure. But I think, the bucks are just so run down at that point from rutting and trying not to die uh, from the rifle hunters that they're going to be looking to um, uh, eat again and and try to live uh, their lives. So I kind of transition back to those bedding and transition areas to and from from food. And what food sources are relevant right now in that part of the country? I've been seeing deer on corn a lot right now, Uh, cut cornfields, which have been cut for weeks here. Um, 
seems like every time I see a deer out feeding, they're in, they're in cut cornfields uh, currently. Going forward then in this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of 1 to 10 in Missouri? Uh, I think it's probably going to drop in the next week or so. Um, rifle season ends in the next day or two here in our state. And I think we're on the tail end of our uh, our rut. I mean, I, I think we're on the lower end of that bell curve. Uh, so I think activity is probably going to drop even more. We're supposed to have a, a, some several warm days coming here in the next few days. I think Thanksgiving Day is supposed to be a beautiful day as far as hunting would go. But I would say we're probably going to drop from like a five down to a, a three or a four. All right, Nate. Good luck with the rest of your season, and thanks for joining me. All right. Thanks, Spencer. And that concludes this week's episode of Wired to Hunt's Rut Fresh Radio. Thanks to Bo, Keith, Spencer, and Nate for joining me. Thank you guys for listening. Like every week, you can find this week's articles in the description of the episode. You're going to read things like how to kill a big buck at the end of the rut, 10 natural food sources every deer hunter should know, caliber battle, 308 Winchester versus 270 Winchester, and how to kill a buck in late November. Also, we have a ton of great deals happening right now on Meteor's website as well as First Light's website. These are our biggest sales of the year with Black Friday upon us. One final thing, one week in November, episode two is now live on Meat Eater's YouTube channel. New episodes are dropping every single Tuesday through the end of the year. So if you like this podcast or want to follow along with the haunts of me or Clay or Mark or Tony, you're not going to want to miss an episode. Good luck hunting this week. Happy Thanksgiving. And until next time, stay wired to hunt. Hey, everybody knows Weber Grills. I've been using Weber Grills my whole life, and check it out. They got a pellet grill, the Weber Searwood Pellet Grill. Now, with a pellet grill, you can smoke, roast, and sear on the same grill. You can go from low and slow, okay, on smoke boost mode, or crank this thing all the way to a heat sear at 600 degrees. It's got a full great sear zone so you can put more food on the flame. Get fired up for your new Weber Searwood pellet grill. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on Seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of Seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit SeafoamWorks.com to learn more.